Yeah. So I want to talk to you and share my heart about a few things. But before I do, um, I want to put a little bit of a disclaimer on this message because I want to be careful to tread in truth, but with love. Tread in truth with love. And I want you guys to understand something. There is an assignment right now in the world from the enemy to once again divide and conquer, which has always been his mission since day one. He went to Eve and told her something, wooing her away to be a part uh, of his will and ultimately dividing and separating not just uh, her her and, and, and God and the plan of God, but ultimately it put friction between Adam and Eve. The Bible said there'll be an enmity between you. There'll be, there'll be differences and division. There'll be hardship. And see, what we have to realize is the enemy's goal since day one has always been to divide and conquer. And so because of that, now we're seeing a consistent uh, agenda. And, and, and I want to talk to you because just this last week, I spent five days on quarantine. Uh, Jamie will tell you I spent five days in, uh, on Netflix. But um, a lo- and she, she thinks that it was just an excuse for me to hide. I do honor and thank my wife for holding down the house, holding down the ministry and all the things that we do. Can we give honor to Pastor Jamie? Amen. But for five days, I was in isolation for five days, you know, just kind of very limited contact. She'll tell you that I'm worse than Harper. I would call her and be like, do you miss me? And she'd be like, yes, for the 75th time. But I I, I just want you to understand something because I do realize that COVID is on the rise. Okay. It's the reason why there's probably a limited attendance here this morning. But here's what I want you to understand, that our church... And I want you to understand where this church stands. If you want to be vaccinated, get vaccinated. If you don't want to get vaccinated, don't get vaccinated. If you want to wear a mask, wear a mask. If you don't want to wear a mask, don't wear a mask. Here's what you need to understand. You've got, regardless of of your personal preferences, you've got one agenda, to be the church of Jesus Christ. And the goal of the enemy right now is he's trying to separate, he's trying to divide, he's trying to drive a wedge between those that feel really compelled. Here's the crazy thing. There's people I know that have prayed and said, said, the Lord gave me peace about getting vaccinated. And then there's people like me that I prayed and I didn't have a peace about getting vaccinated. Here's the reality. I believe both people heard from the Lord, but you got to understand that God speaks specifically. We're not a, we may be one collective army, but each person has certain things that God will deal with. We live with an individual God. Quit letting stupid garbage divide and conquer the church. Stop it. Because there is a bigger picture at large. Don't buy into the agendas of division. If you got strong convictions, that's great. Live by them, but quit forcing them on everyone else around you. Why? I'll tell you why. That I believe more now than ever, we need to be unified. Because I believe that we are the church of the last days. I believe we are the church of the last days. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. Last night at 11 p.m. our time, churches all over Afghanistan began to assemble. 
Christians left their homes knowing that they would not be coming back. They would have kissed their families. They would have prayed together. And then they would have walked together to church because they would rather die than miss a chance to worship a God that they love. These are the people that I won't feel worthy to stand next to in heaven. Will the real church please stand up? Or better yet, will the real church please find its knees? While the church in America is playing church, while the church in America is complaining the music's too loud, while the church in America's worrying why are the sanctuaries darkened, why are they still old school, why do they have stained glass windows, I don't like their parking lot, it's too bumpy, I don't know, it's too hot, it's too cold, I don't know, the music's too loud, the preacher shouts too much, the preacher's too quiet, he doesn't visit me, I don't know, they don't, they don't really care about anything but your money. While the church in America is playing church, our brothers and sisters' blood is crying from the you better get your eyes off of yourself in this season because God is demanding and you better hear me this morning if if you are too focused on the little things if you're too petty and too much of a pansy the spirit of God will pass by you in this season why? because there are men and women and children in other parts of the world right now. At 11 o'clock last night, they prayed together. But at 11.30, their bodies were found dead in the streets for the name that we just got to worship, for the name that we just got to lift high. I came to tell somebody this morning, God's not playing church in this season. You may want to play church, but he ain't seated at the table. See, while much of the church has adopted the idea of trying to hang on, hold out, hide out, blend in, and sneak out, Jesus has told us and demonstrated that the job of his church is to stand up, stand out, seek out, speak out, uproot, cast out, and destroy the works of darkness. Matter of fact, Luke 19, 13 said, Jesus telling his church, he said, occupy till I come. Occupy till I come. I know you got, let me borrow one of your blankets. I'm sorry. Can I, I just need one for one second. You just look so cozy. I'll give it right back. David, come here. This is a spontaneous spiritual demonstration. Sit, sit cross, crisscross applesauce on the blanket. I'm glad you're laughing so hard. Steph, come on. Come up here. Come on. Yeah, go ahead and just crisscross applesauce right there on the blanket. Luke 19 and 13 says that Jesus told his church to occupy till he comes. And see, what we've done is we've taken this posture. Put your hands together. And this is what the church in America looks like. Kumbaya, kumbaya. Kumbaya, my Lord. See, the church in America has taken the position of a picnic. 
thinking that occupy means that we hide out. Oh, come on, I'm going to help somebody this morning. We're thinking that occupy means make sure you bring your little picnic blanket and little basket. Make sure that you reserve your seat and put your name on the side of the pew because you got to occupy until he comes. My God, hear me this morning. I want you to know that that word occupy is not the position of complacency, but it's actually a military command. It literally means to go in, take territory, to uproot, to tear down, to march into a place aggressively. We got a church that wants to play picnic with a Holy Ghost that ain't there, but he's looking for a church that'll rise up in authority, that'll walk forward in dominion and begin to take back what the enemy's stolen. Y'all done playing picnic? Y'all done playing picnic? Praise God. They're done playing picnic. Give praise to God for that. There's a little, there's a little cold, good-looking picnicker over there. There. The modern church has accepted the term of occupy as a position of a picnic. Come on, somebody. Let's talk about the issue with the condition of the American church. Our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan, brothers and sisters in Christ, pastors, churches, for the last 20 years have labored in prayer, sweat, and tears to forge a work of God into a region. They had faced many hardships and trials, and now this morning, churches are smoldering, pastors are dead, congregations are scattered, and here at church in America, all we can think about is why is the music so loud? Shut up with that mess and get your face back on to the kingdom of God. Take your position. We got brothers and sisters that need our prayers in this hour. If we quit backbiting one another, if we quit talking about one another, if we quit discouraging one another and start lifting up one another as the Bible has commanded us, maybe we get off the blanket and begin to pull down strongholds. That word occupy, it's not a term given to stand by. It's a militant term. That means to overtake, to overrun in advance at all costs. To march aggressively into another's territory. How many of you today would agree that you feel like we're living in the last days? Okay. Watch. COVID-19 and the current condition of that has affected the attendance of our church. Why? Because it's real. I'm going to help somebody. Watch. COVID-19 has affected the condition and the attendance of our churches because it's real. Can I see your hands again for how many of you believe that we're living in the last days? Stretch them high, unashamed. Now with your other hand, how many of you believe COVID-19 is real? That it's a real threat? Lift both hands if you got them. Here's the dilemma. You've been faced with two truths, but the problem is, is we believe the first one is greater than the last one. 
Because if it was the other way around, our churches would be packed. Our altars would be full. Yes, COVID-19 can kill you, but the understanding that we're living in the last days and making Jesus as Lord can make sure you live forever, baby. I want you to know you're faced with two truths this morning, but which one will you allow to rule your life? In talking about the last days, we can talk about all the terrible things that will happen, such as notated in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. It says, but know this. Everyone say, know this. That in the what days? That in the what? Perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves. Catch this. If you, wanna, if you don't think we're living in the last days, just catch this scripture real quick. For men will be lovers of themselves... Lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. My God, you can check that one off in the Meyer household. Unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of God. Let's go all the way in to verse 5, because it says, having a form of godliness, but denying its power, and from such people turn away. Yo, let me tell you something. Not everybody needs to be your friend, baby. Not everybody you need to allow to have access into your life. You, you better watch it, because you think you'll change them, and next thing you know, they'll mess around and change you. Okay. See, I believe sadly that many times when we look at the last days, we see what it will be for the world and the wicked. Hold on, because I'm going to help you. See, when we look at 2 Timothy, we see what it will be. It's destruction, depravity, despair, depression, desolation, and division. But I got news for you. I'm not a citizen of this world. My home is not here. I'm a pilgrim passing through. So in the last days, the world may see destruction, but I came to tell you the church will see resurrection. I came to tell you the world may see despair, but the church will see joy unspeakable and full of glory. The world might be depressed, but the church will rise up empowered. The world may be in depravity and may be in every home feeding into the spirit of division, but I want you to know in the homes of the church of Jesus Christ, the blood of Jesus and the Holy Ghost can be in your home, can be shifting your marriages, can be setting your house in order. Why? Because there's two stance of understanding the last days. There's the last days of the world. Destruction, despair, depression, depravity, and division. We see it all around us. But we're not the world. So there's another promise to the church, Acts chapter 2, verse 17. And it shall come to pass in the last days. Somebody say, the what days? Okay. Both of these scriptures are New Testament scriptures. Says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And they shall prophesy. I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs in the earth beneath. Blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness. The moon into blood before the coming of the... And... The what? The what? 
the great and awesome day of the Lord, and it shall come to pass that whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. This text paints a picture that the church needs to see about what she will look like in the last days. 2 Timothy painted a clear picture. Lovers of self, prideful, boastful, backbiting, dividers, hating their parents, hating the things of God, love themselves, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. But contending, ha, ah, Oh, here, coming out of corner one, out of the starting blocks, comes a bride washed in the blood of Jesus. In her hand, she's carrying two flames of fire, and there's a sword coming from her mouth. She looked like she was going to lose. She looked like she'd been knocked out, dragged out, and done away with. But my God, up the back stretch, here she comes, running, full of the Holy Ghost and fire, blowing past the things of this world to contend for the call of Christ. Let me tell you something. She's not out of the race. She's not. The first difference that needs to be pointed out between 2 Timothy 3 and Acts chapter 2 is Timothy is speaking about the world and speaking of the doom and gloom. But in Acts chapter 2, 17, also using the same phrase that in the last days, Peter is speaking to the church and he calls it great and awesome. See, if you're a blood-bought child of God and you're here today, I want to tell you, you're doggone right. We are living in the last days. But they are and they will be great and awesome. I refuse to buy into the narrative of doom and gloom. CNN will paint it. MSNBC will paint it. Fox News will paint it. I don't care. You can put any one of Jezebel's prophets on the TV and they will preach doom and gloom. I didn't come to hear what Fox News had to say, but I got a book that was written far before their establishment that's got the final report. He said heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will endure forever. And it tells me when all of hell is falling into place that heaven is rising up in the earth that there's a power of God that's going to be released that the world will not be able to stop it's going to be great it's going to be awesome I refuse to live in fear I refuse to be backed in a corner. I refuse to sit down, shut up, and, and, stand, and step aside. Not when Jesus died for me to stand up, to speak out, to speak up. Let me tell you something. I'll go ahead and tell you. So if your feet are soft, you can wear steel-toed shoes. In the coming days, I will preach about politics. In the coming days, I will preach about our education system. In the coming days, I will address issues in the church. I will not stand by. I will not step aside when I've been called to be a watchman the wall and I see a nation that's being destroyed I will stand up and speak out I want you to know that God says not only is it going to be great and awesome but there's going to be a pouring out there's going to be a pouring out he said, in the last days, check, we're there. I will pour out 
There's some of you here today, and you've poured into this thing called the church. My God, hear me. You've poured into your marriage. You've poured into your family. You've poured on the prayers. You've poured on the giving. You've poured, you've poured, you've poured, you've poured, until you feel like you've got nothing poor to, left to pour. But I came to tell you that God said in the last days, those that have held on through the midnight hour, you've been pouring, you've been pouring, but now it's my turn, says God. And in the last days, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. You've been pouring out, but you better get ready. I hear the sound of a waterfall, and it's about to pour out. Isaiah 44 and 3 says, For I will pour water on him who is thirsty and floods on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit on your descendants and my blessing on your offspring. There's coming a day, even at the door, for those of you that have been pouring out, there was a law established in creation called seed time and harvest. What a man sows, he so shall reap. Some of you have been sowing, pouring. You got poured prayers. You got poured tears. You got poured cries of hunger and righteousness. You've got poured desire. You've got poured devotion. You've poured your time in the Word. But the Bible said in Isaiah 44, don't you worry, baby. Don't you worry, daughter. Don't you worry, son. You've been pouring out, but I will pour out on him who's thirsty. I will pour floods on dry grounds. I'll pour my spirit on your descendants and my blessing on your offspring. Some of y'all been praying on, uh, been pouring on prayer, but I want you to know what he's about to do. It ain't just coming for you. It's going to hit you. It's going to flow onto your kids. It's going to flow on your children's children. It's going to affect descendants. Your children's 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 children. The next thing I want you to understand about this pouring out is it's not just going to be a pouring out. It's going to be a pouring out on all flesh. And let me tell you something. That's where the church will have a problem. I preach it. I'm going to keep preaching it until I make sure everybody's got it. Because the moment that I think that we do, and all of a sudden, somebody comes in here that's never come before, and all of a sudden, God begins to use them. All of a sudden, I don't know if they're of God. Look at her. She's got purple hair. She's talking about what the Lord said. She can't hear God with all them earrings in her head. He's got all them tattoos up his body. I can't believe he's up there acting like he loves the Lord. He needs to put his arms down. God don't want that. Hey, sister. Hey, brother. The Bible says it in the last days. I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. That means on those that have been prostituting. That means on those that have been lying. That means on those that got tattoos. That means on those that got an addiction. That means on those that have been running around. That means he's going to pour. And let me tell you something. The spirit of God, if it was poured on a donkey to talk, if it was poured on a chicken to preach, it can be poured out on a purple-headed person to be used for the glory of God. See, some people in the church are going to have a real problem when the woman that wears pants stands up to give a tongue and interpretation. Ah! Sorry, that was me stepping on that demon's neck right there. 
You do understand that the first move of God came in flesh. John 1, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Do you do understand that religion crucified him? Why? Why did religion crucify him? Because it was not ready to understand him. And it thought God was going to do it one way, but when God sent it the way he sent it, they rejected it. Church of the last days, hear me. You better get the understanding that it's not going to look like what you thought it was going to look like. Because the moment that you think it's going to look a certain way, you'll be crucifying it. You'll be nailing it to flesh. You'll be trying to kill what God has said. Hear me, church. I need to preach to somebody this morning. you got to be open to the move of God in this season. The message will never change, but the method must constantly adjust. For God is doing a new thing, declares the Spirit of the Lord. Let me encourage you that the Bible says that it will be great and awesome. Secondly, the church of the last days will see a sons and daughters revelation. I can't wait. I can't wait. I can't wait to see those that have been struggling in identity for so long finally get it. I prophesy to you that the church is about to move from an ownership mentality to a sonship understanding. It will no longer look like beggars coming to their master. It will no longer look like slaves asking to come into the master's quarter. It's going to look like sons and daughters climbing up in the lap of their daddy and saying, but my daddy said, but my daddy said, and if my daddy said it. John 1 and 12 said, but as many as received him to them, he gave the right to become the children of God to those who believe on his name. Thirdly, the church of the last days will see the young and the old. Let me help you out. For a ministry that's been called modern, it will no longer be concerned about the skin. It'll be concerned about the wine. For far too long, the church has been caught up in the skin. Let me tell you something. The skin ain't got nothing on the wine, baby. Some of y'all been gnawing on the skin and want to know why it tastes like dead animal because that's what it is. But I came to tell you if you get your eyes off the skin and get your eyes on the wine within, all of a sudden it'll begin to bubble up in you. It'll begin to change you. It'll begin to, my God, you may dance a little. You may get happy. You may get a little bit of joy deep down in your soul. The church of the last days, watch this. The church of the last days is going to be for the young and the old. I want you to know that it's not just going to be a modern church. It's not just going to be an old church. It's not just going to be a traditional church. There will be one church, the blood-bought church of Jesus Christ. And the moment that a church begins to focus on the skin, you won't be able to contain the wine. And he'll move right on by you. It will no longer be a church that feels they have to compromise to reach the younger crowd. But it will be a church that is convicted, understanding that it's not a seeker-friendly church. It is a seek-him church. Understanding seeker-friendly churches, hear me by the Spirit of God, will suddenly crash and burn in the days ahead. God is lifting his hands off of those that have desired to be pleasers of men rather than pleasers of God. I came to tell you, I'm not here to see who comes. I'm here 
here to make sure he comes. And as long as he comes, he'll bring the crowds. He'll bring the multitudes. He says, in the last days, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh, sons and daughters, maid servants, hand servants, young men, old men. John 20, verses 1 through 8 says, Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb while it was still dark, and she saw that the stone had been rolled away from the tomb. And then she ran and came to Simon Peter and the other disciple whom Jesus loved, John, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. And Peter therefore went out, and the other disciple, and and were going to the tomb, so they both ran together. And the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first, and he said, stooping down and looking in, seeing linen, cloths, lying there, yet he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb and he saw the linen cloth lying there and the handkerchief and that had been around his head not lined with his linen clothes but folded together in its place and then the other disciple who came to the tomb first went in also and he saw and believed a very powerful story that i believe holds great prophetic significance for where the church of the last days is headed I'm going to address this because of my current position. I'm 36 years old, so I like to consider myself not a young man, but not an old man. I'm right in the middle. But the church recently has saw a divide. We've seen modernistic churches rise up, and we've begun to speak out against things like stained glass windows and altars. We began to speak out against, their preaching's just too old school for me. Y'all don't have a coffee shop? That's like my grandma's church. I don't like the music. It's too traditional. And then, likewise, we've seen an older generation that's begun to speak out. I don't understand these churches with all the smoke and lights. It's not the devil. They want to be in a club. That's where they need to be. Boy, that one struck a chord with some of y'all. But what we've missed is the fact that the enemy's already won. The Bible says in the Gospel of John that Peter and John ran together. Peter was the oldest disciple. This is recorded on the fact he was the only one old enough to pay pay tax. So he would have been the oldest amongst the disciples. Him, Peter, being the oldest of the disciples, the Bible says, took off running. And John, who was with him, ran, and they both ran together. Now watch this. In the midst of the running, there came a time where John, the younger, outran the older. Watch. Zeal began to outrun wisdom. But here's the problem. John got to the tomb on that resurrection morning. First, when he got to the door of Revelation, he didn't know how to go in. He had to wait. The Bible says that John waited for Peter to come and Peter peering in seeing what he saw decided then that he would go in and after Peter 
went in. The Bible says that John followed. Listen to me. In the church of the last days, I prophesy to you that it will not be the old outrunning the young, and it will not be the young outrunning the old, but the two shall run together all the way to the place of revelation, all the way to the outpouring, all the way to the resurrection power that God is desiring to pour out on his church. Fourthly, the church of the last days, hope is a revival of unworthiness. You know what our churches need? We need a baptism of unworthiness. We're too prideful. We're too arrogant. We think that God owes us something. We get a little bit of anointing on our lives and it's grab me a microphone, preacher. I got the word of the Lord. No, what you need to do is grab a mop. We get a title in front of our name, and now all of a sudden, my God, they didn't call me pastor. Shut up. It's not about titles. It's about towels. Now, I understand honor, and I understand function, but let me tell you something. Function will far always outweigh title. Act like an apostle. They'll probably start calling you an apostle. Start carrying the word of the Lord in your mouth, and don't be surprised when people call you prophet. But why don't you take the title off your name and allow the function to put it there? Oh my God, hey, hey, hey. What we need is a fresh baptism of unworthiness. Why? Because he said that in the last days, I'm going to pour out my spirit on your maid servants and your men servants. What did he say? I'm pouring it on those that know how to serve. Not those that came to be served, but those that will roll up their hand, roll up their sleeves, put their hands on something and say, I'm, I'm just here to serve. My God, I believe that there's a revival coming to those that'll serve in prayer, that'll serve in scrubbing toilets, that'll serve in children's church. And the people that's sitting there with their arms folded saying, well, bless me if you can. Don't worry. He ain't going to bless you. He's going to bless his way right on by you and go and touch somebody that's got a heart to serve him. The fifth thing that the church of the last days notated in Acts 2, 19 and 20. Acts 2, 19 and 20 says, And I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath blood and fire and vapor of smoke. Verse 20, please, sir, thank you. The sun shall be turned into darkness, the moon into blood before the coming and great and awesome day of the Lord. What did he say? I'm going to show you something you ain't never seen before. The church of the last days will operate in miraculous power. The church of the last days will see things that we've never seen before. We won't just wonder what it's going to look like to see cancer disappear. We'll watch it fall off before our very eyes. We won't wonder what it looked like when Bartimaeus received his touch because God's about to raise up a hundred men and women that'll lay hands on the sick and see them recover. It won't be praying about it anymore. It won't be wondering if they're going to get if the doctor report's going to be good. They're going to be ambassadors of Christ with the final say. They're going to say, receive your sight. And we're going to see eyes open, ears open. We're going to watch the lame walk. That'll be the commonality, though. That, 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 stuff, that stuff won't even be excited anymore. It'll just be like, do it, Jesus. Do it, Jesus. Do it. We, you know, it happens now in church. We all like, like, get up, bro. That's what you're called to do. God's like, well, I'd open their eyes, but if I do, 65 of them are going to shout themselves onto the floor, and then service is over. Oh, God, he did it. Of course he did it. His word said he was going to do it. See, I don't think we really believe the word. 
Because when it happens, we're all awestruck. Oh my God, did you see God raise that girl out of the wheelchair? Yeah. He said that that's what he would do. Okay. The last and sixth closing point is it's found in Acts chapter 2, verse 21. I love this part. And it says, and it shall come to pass that whosoever, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Why does the church of the last days have to have her rightful place? I'll tell you why. Because there's a multitude of coming. All they're going to do is call on the name of the Lord. They're not going to wonder if they're saved. He's going to meet with them in such a powerful way. He's going to affirm their salvation. It's literally going to be people. The world is going to hell in a handbasket. Persecution's on the rise. Economy's falling. People, you know, walking away from the things of God. But there's going to be a remnant rising of those that will just begin to call on the name of the Lord. People you've never seen talk about God all of a sudden calling on the name of the Lord. Why? Because He loves them. He is for them. He is not against them. He has a plan. He has a purpose. He has an idea of what He wants your life to look like. And all He is waiting on is them to call on the name of the Lord. And they shall be saved. I love the fact that it didn't say they'll call on the name of the Lord and maybe be saved. It didn't say they'll call on the name of the Lord and probably be saved. It said they will call and he will answer. They will call and he will answer. They'll pick up the phone and say, God, I need you. And he'll say, I'm right here. Stand with me all over the house. The church of the last days is going to see a return of all the prodigals, all the backslidden, all the preachers that have given up. And some of them that are just running from God. There's some of you here right now. There's some of you here right now. Turn the house lights off, please. I'm convinced that in the last days it's going to be terrible. There's going to be wars and rumors of wars. Nation will rise against nation. Kingdom against kingdom. Powers of darkness will be running rampant. They'll preach their agenda of abortion and shedding of innocent blood. They'll push their ideas of vaccination which is going to give way to the system of the mark of the beast they'll do all that but there's going to be a church that's going to be praying that says I shall not be moved it may look like I'm surrounded but Lord I'm surrounded by you Because this is how I fight my battles. I'm going to be in the position on my knees. I'm going to speak up. I'm going to speak out. You haven't called us to coward. You haven't called us to lie down. You didn't call us to quit. You told us to rise up. But here's the problem. There's people right now under the sound of my voice and you're running. But you're running from your only hope. You're running away from the very thing you're called to. The last point of my message is that 
one of the greatest things that we're going to see is a revival of prodigals like we have never seen before. Sons and daughters coming home. Mamas and daddies that have been away from God are coming. Preachers that preached 20 years and haven't preached in 20 20 years that have been sitting in a bar for the last 19. You better get ready because the anointed never left them and they're coming home. But there's people right here, right now, under the sound of my voice. And you're running. Brother, hear me. Sister, hear me. This is your only hope. This is your only hope. The Bible said that as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be when the Son of Man comes. Let me tell you about when it, what, what it was like when Noah was in. There was eight people, eight people, Noah, his wife, his daughters, and their husbands that got in an ark. The problem was, is the ark was built big enough for everybody else that was around them to get on. But Noah cried and he said, he's coming. Noah cried and said, the rain's coming. Noah cried and said, destruction's coming. For 120 years, they laughed at him. They mocked him. They said, what are you doing, you dummy, building a boat on dry land? Noah looked like a fool until the day that it began to rain. And the Bible says that when it did, it was too late for God himself shut the door of the ark. He sealed the door. And I believe outside of that door, there was a lot of pounding. There was a lot of cries of people that had been running from that boat, that had been mocking that boat, that had been talking about that boat. But now that boat was what they needed. I'm telling you, there's coming a day there's coming a day where people will stand out the side of the doors of churches and they'll pound on the door. They'll pound on the door. Let me in the boat. Let me in the boat. Let me in the boat. But it'll be too late for God himself will have shut the door. What are you running from? Why are you running? You've got a calling. You've got a purpose. You've got a God that loves you. If you're backslidden, you're here today. If you're not where you need to be with God today, today is the day. Will you come to this altar? Come right now. Come running. Come running while the door's open. Come, 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 come. Don't wait for nobody else to move. God's waiting on you. He's not waiting for somebody else. He's waiting on you. This message was for you. Don't, don't put off the Spirit of God if He's dealing with you. Come. Come right now. Come. Come, 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 come. Thank you. Come, 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 come. The Spirit and the bride say, come, 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 come. The Spirit and the bride say, come, come, come. In the last days, I'll pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your young men will have visions. Your old men will dream dreams. I'll pour it out on your main servants, your men servants, on all flesh.